I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing, they car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubblegum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome back to the All Out of Bubblegum podcast. Today we are continuing our February selections of black exploitation films and in this instance we're doing the duology of the cleopatra jones films today i have with me brandon and martin hello how are you guys doing today hello I'm doing pretty well yeah yeah me too how about you i'm doing well just a little rain out my way and uh, as i said before we started recording that is preferable to freezing cold snow yeah. in winter <laughs> So, um, I'd like to start on the one thing we did mention previously, because we talked about coffee, was coffee was sort of like a cheap, um, like, go make this movie before this Cleopatra Jones films hits. Oh, shit. And that was like, that was sort of the impetus for, for coffee. Cleopatra Jones is a studio film, and that was like much more in the black exploitation vein. This is sort of Hollywood taking advantage of the black exploitation genre by producing their own big budget version. So it's black exploitation, exploitation, basically. <laughs> yes. Okay. I but um, I never knew that about coffee. Okay. That's interesting. And you, but you've seen coffee? No, no. I'm I'm. Oh, okay. Way behind on my black exploitation viewings. Well, uh, how, are you familiar much at all with uh, like the work of Pam Greer? Uh, I'm getting to be. Okay. I'm working my way through her filmography this year. Trying to at least. I think when I when I watch this movie, there's this part of me that keeps thinking about Pam Greer and and uh, you know and I kind of teeter totter over whether or not I would have liked her more in this role. I, I find her much more like appealing as a screen presence than Tamara Dobson. But by the end of this film, I actually really appreciated what Tamara Dobson brings to the role herself. Yeah. I think Pam Greer is probably the queen of the black exploitation movies. Yeah. But yeah, Dobson just makes this role her own. I loved her in it. Yeah, I was surprised too. So what is like a way that you would best summarize what this movie is? Because I, I kept thinking about what even this movie means. But in general, I mean, I, I would just say CIA asset helps black community. <laughs> For once. But yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like a... Is she like a Bond, like a James Bond type? That's exactly what went through my head. Oh, in the sequel, definitely. Yeah. I was thinking the black female James Bond. That's exactly what I was thinking. I basically have two ideas about what black exploitation is. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not well versed in it, but one of them is there are movies made by the black community that bring to light social issues that they deal with. And there's often corrupt white cops. There's drugs being brought into the community. Um, racism and all that sort of thing and it's sort of packaged as a genre movie to be able to sell it to a bigger audience and the other one is they just take an existing archetype and they put black actors in it and what I think is so great is both these ideas are presented in these two movies okay oh, yeah. 
with obviously the second one just dropping all the social commentary and just like James Bond, but he's a tall black lady. <laughs> yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I was just saying, what, 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 uh, if you had to summarize what the, the, at least the first film is. You said it pretty well. I just rewatched some of it to make some notes, and I couldn't tell you really what the plot is. <laughs> Fat white drug lady's poppy field in Turkey gets destroyed by special agent Cleopatra Jones. She wants with a jet fighter plane. With a jet fighter plane, yeah. <laughs> She wants revenge, so she devises a plan to get her back to the States. And she does this by... Because Cleopatra Jones also runs a... a what do you call it? A uh, uh, they, they called it a B&S house. B&S house, yep. Yeah, I'm not sure what that stands for. I kept trying to... Yeah, I kind of what, figured what, out. What's, what's, yeah, I kept trying to suss that out. What's that place that celebrities always go to after they've done some drunk driving? or Rehab, that's it. <laughs> rehab. Oh, is yeah. it sort of like yeah. a drug rehab clinic? That's also like a, a community center for anti-drug info or something. Mm-hmm. And they set up somebody who is a guest there, comes there often, so she has to come back to the States. It's a kind of flimsy device. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I'm I'm not really mommy as, as, as Shelley Winter's character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to like understand what her reach is, how she knows that a government agent is responsible for the destruction of her poppy fields yeah it's pretty wild i'm just going what in the world like how yeah (laughs) but that's part of the charm for me yeah yeah Yeah. but i actually i think i I didn't really enjoy the movie much until her car when she's, she's driving the stingray around and they get into this chase in the canals and, and i started really vibing with the movie because the other movie you know black black exploitation films they they kind of tend to be a little little meaner and grittier and and it's because they're cheaper i think they don't they can't afford big stunts and things this movie wisely uses its budget on some big set pieces like that car chase and i think it's pretty well done oh yeah yeah I'm a bit of the opposite. I thought the beginning was stronger than the finish because it spends its time spinning its wheels a lot once like the, the plot gets set into motion because I love the scenes with Mommy, who's the Shelley Winters character, because it's so absurd. She was in The Night of the Hunter, and here she is playing this like over-the-top ham-acting drug lord or whatever it is, and it's just so absurd that I can't help but enjoy it. But then like once like all the pieces are put into motion, it just kind of just tries to like spin its wheels until the finale comes around. And that kind of disappointed me a little bit, but I enjoyed the setup. I was hooked by that. I enjoyed the, the setup for the finale when they were in the, when they got to the junkyard and I thought, Oh, this is going to be the, the big blowout ending. And it really kind of limps across the finish line. Even when, when she defeats Shelly winters, I wasn't quite sure what was happening there. I was like, oh, yeah, she, I agree. I, th- I thought she was going to throw her into the compress or something, something interesting. But she just kind of like falls down and then I uh, guess dies or passes out. I, I don't know. It's mm. un- unclear. And 
you know, also you're watching, you know, middle-aged Shelly Winters fight a six-foot-two Amazonian, like, goddess <laughs> type. It's just it's a real mismatched fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that she lands a punch on Tamara Dobson is shocking when it happens. Well, yeah. she, she opens up for it. <laughs> yes, <true>. clearly. <laughs> but uh, I, I think to, uh, to go back to Tamara Dobson, I, I just was so unsure. She shows up and she starts the movie wearing about 50 animal pelts. And I, I didn't know what I was looking at. And then eventually you go, oh, she actually has some like hapkido skills. Like she she's pretty good. She performs mm-hmm. an axe kick later on in the movie that is very impressive, and she lands it right in the middle of the guy's back between the shoulder blades. I was like, okay. Um, also notable, this is directed by Galt from First Blood. So I didn't realize that. Yeah, like the villain in First Blood. Oh shit! Not not Brian Dennehy, but the you know the, the helicopter guy who falls yeah, out. Yeah, that guy. He was a stunt guy before, right? Yeah, a bit part actor, so hmm. makes sense. Anyways, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place with this movie, but uh, it's because I I was all over the place when I was watching it. I just didn't know. Um, I didn't I did not understand what was happening for a good deal of it, or why. Yeah. Just because it, it was so outrageous, I just did. I said, "What's the connection here?" Because the movie starts <laughs> out like almost like a sequel. Yeah, like everyone, all the care, all the players know each other. The villains know who the main character is, and it's, it's very odd. <laughs> yeah, that is true, you know. How you know, mommy instantly knows that it was she goes Cleopatra she, Jones. she did this and I'm going, "Oh." And it ends like the story's not over. She's going on a mission. Mm-hmm. So it it has this middle entry feel to it. I just thought that it helped build up the character of Cleopatra Jones. Like, oh, she's so good at what she does. Everybody knows her and fears her. It seems like that would be a hindrance to a special operative operating <laughs> outside her home country yeah. <laughs> don't think about it too much yeah i guess not <laughs> but uh in in general uh, i mean i just i warmed up to it and by the end i kind of felt like it was working uh except it does like i said it does limp across the finish line definitely yeah this is the film i was thinking of when like the um the whole debate you know about james bond comes up you know should james bond be a woman should james bond be black should James Bond be a black woman? And I thought, like, why not just make your own hero like Cleopatra Jones did? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a black James Bond or anything like that, but you can always create your own legends instead of just like ripping off James Bond for like the hundredth time. You could just make your own superhero secret agent, you know, like Cleopatra Jones did. And this film did that. It just yeah. made its own legends rather than just being another James Bond entry. I think that the only think i would consider a weakness for this series is actually that it didn't just try and carve out its identity in that fashion it didn't because i think they could have kept making these movies honestly yeah oh i Uh, wish they had yeah me too Mm -hmm. because even the second one it's like well this is fun it's completely different than the first film they should have just kept Mm -hmm. like want keep going but i i don't know yeah my main thought after i finished watching the second one was I wish they'd ruined this character by making five more sequels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I just love this character. And like I said, especially in the sequel. Well, she felt very flat and almost void-like in the first one for a long time to me. 
uh, honestly, it wasn't until, well, I guess it was the hospital scene. And then like right after that, she's in the car chase. And I was like, you know, I really, I'm really warming up to her now when she's driving the, the car and oh, she's reacting. And, and I, I just really liked all that stuff. She's just like grimacing as she's driving. It was just, just fun. It got really intense, and and I think they messed up a stunt, and they just kept it in the movie. I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I I had that feeling with one or two moments in the sequel as well. Yeah, but do you I like do you that, mean a stunt uh, attitude during the car chase? Yeah, where it tries to like make a handbrake turn, but it just does a three sixty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, don't you know, know but if it, it, but it works. But yeah, yeah. It gives it a sort of realistic feel so, somehow. Yeah, this like brief moment where suddenly you're like, oh, we're in like the French connection here. It's like it yeah. feels like very <laughs> free flowing. And there's another moment where I thought, oh, we're in the naked gun here, because I obviously the location they have for for the chase, the, the what do you call it, the waterway. Yeah, in little, LA, it's like a flood canal. Yeah, it's been used so much in movies, and I think the scene where he Leslie Nielsen jumps into the back of a car and it turns out to be a like a driving instruction car, <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah, uh, yeah, driver's ed car. Driver's ed. Yeah, I think that location is in this movie as well. <laughs> but I might be wrong. But kind of reminded me of Terminator Two a little bit. Yeah, just Greece as well. and Terminator Two. Yeah, exactly. Those yeah. Two that were popping in my head. But I loved uh, like you, you know, the resourcefulness where the guys can't uh, hang out the window and shoot because he keeps driving in and hitting the the water and jetting it into the the guy's face and I was like that's cool yeah yeah just like some you know I like that detail yeah it's something I hadn't seen before I like that kind of thing but when you said you thought the character was flat did you mean like stoic yeah just there was nothing to her she didn't like it's every she walks into a scene and like this is every scene in the movie she shows up she's wearing an outrageous outfit <laughs> and she is completely stoic like this isn't the craziest thing you've ever seen. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, what I liked about the character. Well, I don't know. I was just like, it's it's so wild, and nobody's reacting to it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And so, I don't know. It was just weird to me. And then uh, I didn't think that she was giving anything in her delivery uh, until, like I said, uh, when she goes and visits uh, Ruben character later on. They they have uh, like a, a nice intimate love scene that isn't um it's not just like and here's sex <laughs> remember there's some sex for this for the audience which is a lot of black exploitation uh this one didn't do that it was kind of oh this is sort of like nice and intimate in a way yeah it's, it's fairly yeah. modest for the genre i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> i do like the scene where she mows down the two people dressed as like an elderly couple i thought that was very enjoyable <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, that that actually was very Naked Gun. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that because that's what I thought when it when they passed. I went, wait a minute, and then sure enough, they turn around. And yeah, yeah. I, I was like, yes, yes, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that they were the the gunmen at first, but I, but I did think that the guy did did look like a guy in a wig. So I was like, that yeah. is not the gunman, but that is definitely not an old man. Then they turn around and I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, one thing that they kind of threw me when it started was um, the movie feels almost like propaganda. Like the kind of, you ever hear the 
over here in the U.S. is this constant refrain you hear people say, which is, uh, you know, there's no systematic racism. It's just it's just a bad apple. You know, one one or two bad apples, they, they always say this thing. And that's what this movie is. This movie is that argument over and over. Where like, no, 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 it's not. Everything's not because they can't do that because she's part of the system. Wow. You know, they, mm-hmm. they can't say the system is the enemy, which is a lot of black exploitation films. They're, it's the community rising up against the system. Okay. Working together. Whereas in this film, no, there's it's just like, oh, there's that guy, Purdy. He's the racist cop. And then, oh, nope, there's, you know, it, it's it's just like that. She has a ton of allies on the force. So it's just a few bad actors every time. Oh, I, I got it the other way around. I got it. They said like, oh, white people are mostly racist, but there's a couple of good ones. Uh, not really, because, you know, like in reality, so they have the BNS house and it gets raided. And in reality, you have like a Fred Hampton situation where they kind of go in and execute like the head of this house because they're a community organizer and then say that it was gang violence. And then you find out years later when Black Panthers storm a federal building and, and raid their documents that, nope, it was a government hit. You know, that that's the reality. Whereas in the movie, it's like, oh no, the, the, they, they showed up on some bad information, but one of the cops is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, it's playing the, that other side. Yeah, despite that though, I did like the cop, the police chief who was on Dobson's side. I can't remember his name though, but I did like his character. Yeah, he was kind of colorful. Yeah, well, the movie ends yeah. with him on the, the freeze frame. So. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was a colorful Well, the, that's, that's what they kind of call Hollywood racism, yeah. where it's like, that way, when things return to the status quo, you can feel good by the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's like, I get it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I feel uneasy about it. But then again, um, in order to carve out its own identity... It sort of has to do something like this. It has to be different. That's why the second film can't just be about the same thing again. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and I appreciate that so much with these movies. Uh, I, I actually had never seen the second one. But re-watching this first one, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it feels... It's not really typical, but it kind of is. And then the second one is just like, oh, well, now it's nuts. <laughs> and, I, and I actually was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, this genre does not do that. Like black exploitation, they stay in the hood, yeah, and they stay in the same circumstances every time. So this was really cool. It felt like hero bloodshed. Yes, like ten years before that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like that's cool. I was sort of fearful that the second one might be accidentally racist towards the Chinese, but I'm f- but fortunately it it isn't, as far as I could tell. Yeah, well, I don't, I, you know, it's maybe somebody Chinese might feel somewhat uneasy about it because it sort of makes the area seem like the wild west in a way <laughs> but uh i don't know i don't know what the actual circumstances were over in hong kong in the mid 70s so who knows yeah. but how cool is it that i mean i guess we're just jumping around but <laughs> that second movie just opens with this big bombastic action scene you're like okay now it's like it really feels like we've landed and this is like right away, like within minutes of this movie, I was going, oh, why isn't there more of these? Because <laughs> it's that's fun. Like it, it, it retroactively made me appreciate the first one even more. 
because of how different it is. It's all that's like set up in, in a way, even though the movie starts out with everybody, all the players knowing each other. Like I said, uh, this one starts up and it's like, well, now I'm I'm caught up now, and I'm I'm there. I'm I'm happy this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> it is a surprisingly spectacular action scene with like all these extras attacking a boat that's a drug lab. And I was very surprised. It felt like some, some something out of a Pirates of the Caribbean film almost with all the people boarding the ship and shooting each other and people flailing around and falling over and stuff. It was very impressive. Hell, hell of a body count to open a movie with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first one was all, like, all spectacle. It's just like, it's, look at all these big fireball explosions as the poppy field goes up. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're trying to do a Bond thing. I think they fumbled a little bit in the beginning of the first one because... First off, that should have been a pre-credit sequence. <laughs> and second, there should have been a credit sequence. Ooh. But there wasn't. They messed up, especially if they're going for that Bond flavor. Mm-hmm. But the, the, since that's the established way, the second one starts up, and now we've got like fun font and things like that for the titles. And then, boom, that action scene. And it is just, it's like so quick cut, um, so much going on. Like you say, it's like a pirate movie. Mm-hmm. But more than that, it's sort of like, you you know, you brought up Heroic Bloodshed. Yeah, it feels like pre-80s, 80s stuff. It's pretty dang good. Yeah. Like, you cannot fault the action in this. This must be like a Hong Kong stunt team that's doing everything, but I don't know. But it's great. Well, it, it was co-produced by Run Run Shaw. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon they just said, you know what, Run Run, you take care of all the Hong Kong Chinese stuff. You get all the stuntmen, and we'll do all the rest. I'm starting to really like these co-productions. I think, was this the second one we watched, The Seven Golden Vampires? That one, also fun. This is, And it's kind of the same thing. You're like, wow, they really inject a great bit of action into these movies that otherwise might be like more rote. So, yeah, hell yeah. I also watched The Men from Hong Kong for the first time last year. It reminded me of yes. that one a lot as well. We should we should do an episode on that alone. I mean, I love that one. Yeah, it's great. There's you know any anytime you talk about Jimmy Wang Yu though, that's just like whew, that guy's the goat. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, but here we're here to talk about uh, Tamar Dobson and Cleopatra yeah. Jones. Yeah. So <laughs> try and yeah, her outfit's got even wilder. A, it is. Yes. <laughs> I thought she was C three PO at one know, point, I, like with the golden outfit. Yeah. I was like, is that C three PO? No, it can't be. That's it can't be it. <laughs> Well, that's, that, again, um, because I start enjoying things, I start enjoying the outfits. It, it starts, like, really vibing with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I love the outfits yeah. from the start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while to really get into her makeup in the sequel, but uh, yeah, I love that as well. You're, you're, you're ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> the makeup that she did herself, by the way. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she, and she just went crazy. But it <laughs> so works. Or is it weird that, uh, like, uh, this Albert Popwell character, who I thought was a... I mean, they, they, him and the other guy that they're always with, they're, they're... You mean the Johnson brothers? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now, did I miss something in the first film? Are they also agents? Because now yeah. they're in Hong Kong, and I'm just... I know they were allies of Dobson, but I don't know if they were agents exactly, I... but... I don't know. Don't think so. Because they help her out in the uh, like the abandoned building action sequence early in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're 
they're just full on like undercover. Yeah, I was all they're doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, I always thought, are these different characters in the first film? That's kind of what I was thinking at first. Like, just same actors, different characters, but same people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I did have a little bit of a feeling. Like, oh, these were supposed to be different characters, but they decided to just make them into these two characters from the previous movie. Oh, that could be. But, you know, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I understood them as street smart um, allies. Karate experts. In the first one. Yeah. But in this one, I, I just, like, they're halfway around the world. I don't know what is going on. Why are they there? <laughs> well, she probably hired them, recruited them after the first one. Oh. Did <laughs> we? And I, you know, and I liked them. I liked their chemistry and stuff. But oh yeah. To me, it felt weird mm-hmm. that that was the start. Yeah. Well, their helping in the first one was the communal spirit that you said was so prevalent in the black exploitation genre. That's how yes. I read it. Well, like, by oh, the end, she of just the has movie, brothers and sisters, so to speak, that help her out. Yeah. Well, at the end of the movie, uh, like it's like an army <laughs> is backing her up. Cavalry shows up. That kind of thing. Yeah, they're the ones that help her when she's going to get crushed. The crane and all that. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, fun fact is that Albert Popwell is the guy who sets up Dirty Harry's famous line. Oh, in, that's in the him? very first film. Yeah, he's the bank robber. Doesn't he appear in four of the five Dirty Harry films as different roles? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, he's the I got to know guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, nice. He plays a pimp in Magnum Force, doesn't he? Who gets his head blown off or something like that? Is that the same? Is he? Oh, I can't remember. Terrible, terrible news. <laughs> when I was in L.A., I had a taxi driver. Or no, was it, maybe it was San Francisco. Yeah, I think it was San Francisco. And uh, this guy starts pointing at the, the roadways. And he goes, hey, you like you like movies? You like Dirty Harry? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, this is where the pimp died in Magnum Force, which I guess is Albert Popwell. And, and I'm looking around, I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so That's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's what, that's what that reminded me of immediately. <laughs> but I like the, the characters in the first one, because like this Antonio Fargas character, who's called Doodlebug, he gets some fun lines. He has his cronies, and one of them starts singing along in the club. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. did you see the name on the sign outside? <laughs> yeah, it was just her. So why are you singing? <laughs> Well, it's an amazing movie because they they just take five minutes out of the movie to have an entire musical number. <laughs> yeah, you're just going, what is happening? Yeah, and they keep cutting back to that guy. Actually, he's really they get really into it. But you know what? That guy should shut up. He's sitting there, he's tapping his shoe with his cane. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> let, let him sing. Like everyone's having a good time. Why why are you ruining it? Yeah, because he's the boss. <laughs> but there is a that aspect of the movie. Where it, it is uh, Tamara Dobson just showing up and being fabulous. And I think part of the, the, the flat reading is like, so when she shows up in the first one, her first line is in like French. She's just chilling out, though. She doesn't really emote or anything. When she mm. shows up in the second film, she's like grinning ear to ear. She's <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm here. And yeah. I, I don't know. There's a whole other vibe to it. She's like excited to be here. Yeah. To she's, be there. Yeah. She's got confidence now. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be having so much fun in the second one. Yeah, and uh, it like radiates energy the whole movie. I would say, except for the second act, the second act was a snoozer to me for the Casino of Gold. You didn't like that? I didn't like the second act. I can't remember anything that happened in it, other than the guy getting impaled. That's pretty memorable. But other than that, yeah. I can't remember anything. I was about to say that. I was like, what about yeah, okay. the most violent scene in the movie? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. of course. <laughs> guy getting impaled? Let like, me think. 
the fight with all the big blades around the arena. Oh, yeah, with Chen. When the dragon lady fights Chen. Mm -hmm. ah, I was surprised that the arena doesn't come back in the final showdown. I, I thought that's where they were going with it, too. Mm. Yeah. Missed opportunity right there. But when uh, she shows her, I think is her ID early on, and it said that her height was five foot ten. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down as well. Yeah, she's towering over everybody, and then it turns out that in real life she's six foot two. So, um, oh, that's why. But she, uh, in both films, she's just towering over everybody. <laughs> Especially when she's in Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she stands out already, and then she wears that makeup and those clothes. Yeah, yeah. looks like Grace <laughs> I love Jones. It. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking of, too, Grace Jones, yeah. But she has an entire, like, monologue almost when she shows up in the second film. And it's just like, oh, she's so much better in the second film. Just so much more confidence. Just slamming through dialogue, and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is fantastic. Everything that I didn't like about her in the first one is improved. Well, basically, everything she says is... Is a zinger. Is a one-liner. Yeah, it's sharper uh, dialogue, and it's way better edited. The mm -hmm. whole movie is. Yeah. You know, sorry, Galt from First Blood. But <laughs> this other guy, who I guess is like a mostly a TV director, Chuck Bale, he did great in this. Just, just knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. I can't believe we haven't gotten to the finale yet, with the motorbikes in the casino and people, like tens of thousands of people falling over balconies and all these explosions, and it's. It's insane for, like, a movie from this time period. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's so funny. You know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, telling him I was going to watch these, and he was like, oh, I didn't like those. And, and uh, I said, well, we'll see. I didn't, I don't remember liking the first one, but by the end of the first one, I was like, actually, I had a good time. And then getting the second one, I was like, this is, this, like, once again, I, I'm just sad there's not more of these. <laughs> yeah. There's so much fun. Yeah, it should have been a franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... It's a bummer that they didn't keep going with these because that's just a good time. Mm -hmm. I was a little disappointed by Cleopatra Jones not giving, not being given more to do during the action finale of Casino of Gold. But what we got was still spectacular, so I can't complain too much. Oh, I liked that they gave her uh, allies a lot to do. Yeah, that was it fun. It comes at the cost of, of what she does, but I liked it. Yeah. It just goes on forever. Once you think like the action scene is done... He just revs up his motorcycle again and continues to kill more goons. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how long can they keep this up? I mean, I love it, yeah. but how long can they keep this up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I feel like that through much of the film. You're just like, there's no way. But I don't know. I think they, they pulled off, honestly. Mm -hmm. I agree. But uh, the other the main thing I think that uh, that really separates it in that second film is, is the villains, you buy that they have reach because it's all within the area. I never bought that this crazy lesbian lady is in charge of, of anything resembling a, a stable empire, let alone <laughs> can has reach into Turkey and, and wherever, <laughs> you know, wherever the hell they were in the beginning of that movie. It's just like, I, don't, I just didn't buy it. Oh, I thought that was part of the appeal of the first one. It was just so batshit insane with Shelly Win Shelley Winters, the lady from the Night of the Hunter. And now she is, she yeah. is like some sort of insane like mob boss. That, that time Academy Award winner. <laughs> yeah, but she's playing it. Well, I love that she's actually, I love that she's playing it as crazy as she is. But yeah. I don't buy that yeah. that lady is any kind of boss at all because she's so unstable. That's <laughs> yeah, fair to say. It is, you mentioned it a little bit, but it is weird that both female villains are coded lesbian. Yes. 
or not coded, they are lesbians. Yeah. Well, that is the, like the phrase that everyone says, though, that it's queer coded. But yeah, they're like violently lesbianic. But I guess maybe that's the idea because you have this sort of stoic uh, Amazon woman as a lead. So you need to have these little like sexually deviant women, I guess, is the idea. I don't know. I don't know mm. what the plan is. Um, they probably feel there's a kind of dichotomy there, but I don't know. It kind of works, but yeah, it, it feels it works a in the cringy. movie, but it is weird. Yeah, you feel a little weird about it at the end. You're like, eh. actually, I felt, I felt during the Shelley Winters stuff when she started grabbing the the blonde lady's butt. I was like, no, no, she gra- she grabs the black haired lady's butt. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> I started <laughs> anyway. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just started like I was like, eh, I feel a little gross about about this because I, I don't like where they're going with it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny because she has like three guys working for her. And yeah. They're all dumb as shit, and she's constantly <laughs> yelling at them. Well, yeah, she and then infantil- infantilizes them so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, she makes them call her mommy. So I mean, <laughs> but but then one of the ladies comes in and bring, brings them a glass of wine or something, and she's like, "Oh, well done, Ursula. Yeah. You know well, just you, what I need." I almost expected her to bring them like milk, like you drink milk in front of mommy. You know, yeah. just that kind of thing. Because <laughs> yeah. it was it was so weird. <laughs> but they, they mean, also yeah. the one thing I'll say about the direction of those that I like is that they would shoot her from these like low angles, you know, and she'd be like, wide eyed screaming and you're like okay, they they kind of, they know what they're doing. Like I, I'm pretty sure Shelley Winters knows what kind of movie she's in. Um, yeah. She's playing it right, but man, I just was like, this is so freaking wild. But maybe it would suck if it wasn't as wild. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe maybe that. Uh, I think it that, needs to be wild. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I don't. I I didn't ever feel that that it was crazy in the sequel because the circumstance was so exotic to me that maybe it just didn't feel crazy. Whereas in the first mm-hmm. one, I was like, that is wild that this lady is like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really thought about that yet. Yeah, the circumstances are crazy, so the characters don't need to be in the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sounds fair. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is um, engaging in a kind of, I guess, what, what they call Orientalism. It, it feels a little like you're othering Asia, but I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if it would be any different if she was in Italy and she walked in. Because I think they'd be treating her the same way. Because you know, this is a criminal organization. Well, yeah. it- Italians would be whistling at her a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, if a woman looking like her walked in, like you, you're probably thinking to yourself, you're like, I kind of want to whistle myself. But because yeah. <laughs> she is like stunning most of the time. <laughs> yeah, she looks fabulous. Yes. But uh, again, you know, the, the sequel, when she goes to the, the, the meeting place and the guy, like, I think it opens and dude slams, a, breaks a chair over her back and you're just like, oh, and it becomes this big fight scene. Yeah. You know, the, guy, the guy gets stabbed and everything. But yeah. It's, in, the, uh, in the gambling joint. Yeah. And it's just like, this is like awesome. Like it, this could be a dude fighting and you'd be like, this, this kind of rocks. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like it's, you know. It doesn't feel as overtly feminist as it actually is when you think about it. You're like, this is actually pretty progressive. Yeah. But you you don't even you don't even think about it because you're like, this is kind of just balls to the wall awesome. 
And then suddenly you're like, oh, wait. And when you think back on it, you're like, that's actually pretty cool. They had the, a big lady, you know, who's the main character fighting like a half dozen dudes or whatever. And it's like, this is pretty cool. But yeah. they also give her male allies that are equal. Yeah. And it, it's unremarkable in the world of the movie that she's working with men and they're well, as, equal, as even though would... she's probably higher ranked. Yeah. But uh, as it would be. Yeah. That is an angle. I. It's like, it's like these movies are retroactively feminist. But I don't mean I'm assuming like this is Darren. This is in the middle of midst of second or third wave feminist movement. So she has to be aware of what she's doing. Right. Yeah. I had this exact same thought. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah. I kind of I kind of wish I looked her up a little bit more and seen if I could find if she ever talked about that. Mm-hmm. Well, she disappeared from the scene quite quickly. I mean, she did a couple of small roles after. So. Yeah, I don't know if there is that much available about her. Well, I think that it is because the, you know, the, by the time the second film comes out, the exploitation movement is really winding back down. It really, mm-hmm. you know, as much as people talk about the emergence of these genres, like the spaghetti western trays and stuff, it's like these things last like five years tops. And that's the same with exploitation. Like there, more exploitation movies were made in well into the '80s and even '90s and and stuff. I think, in some respect, they're still going on. But like as, as far as like the craze, it's about five years. Same with like kung fu, which was happening around the same time, hmm. which is probably why they went to Hong Kong, anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, these they don't last long, and uh, I unfortunately I think her stardom, as it were was probably tied to the genre and that's why i'm like this it sucks that like say you know like they, they attach this film to the kung fu genre i think is what they try to do and it sucks that they weren't able to just go to the next thing for the third movie yeah. because star man, wars probably you know, oh, uh, yeah. you know the, the bond films did that and i, I hate moonraker it's my least favorite <laughs> one. but yeah. Yeah, like that was immediately what they did. Oh, let's do that too. Let's let's jump on to the next cra- next craze. Moonraker is also the only one where the previous movie said James Bond will return in movie so and so, and they that was the one after Moonraker. So they just made Moonraker sort of in between. Oh, that's right. Didn't they say they're going to do for your eyes only or something like that? After I think so. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. What spy who loved me and then Moonraker? Or right? Octopussy? No, wait. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Does Moonraker have Jaws? Yes. We're getting way off topic. Yeah, so that's yeah, but Moonraker <laughs> comes right after Spy Who Loved Me then. Yeah. yeah but I think the end of Spy Who Loved Me said, says James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only or Octopussy, whichever it was. But they lied. Yeah. <laughs> they lied. And Star Wars came out. It was a huge hit. And they were like, well, we can't do that now. Yeah. yeah. Let's rework Moonraker into this crazy ass thing. But uh, I, I don't know if I would have enjoyed her delving into the that brief, the other brief craze of like sci-fi adventure films. I don't know. Maybe it would have worked. But I would have liked it. But I, I would have maybe appreciated it in like a cheap entertainment way. But like the same way that I appreciate that Moonraker exists. <laughs> but uh, I don't like Moonraker as as a Bond film. So. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have liked it as a Cleopatra Jones film. Yeah. But then again, maybe maybe it would have been like the best one. Who knows? Yeah. I, I I just wish they would have continued on. I I would have loved to see her down the line in a you know like a, a gritty cop thriller like like what they did, License to Kill, like a renegade cop movie, 
which is basically what that is. I would have liked to see her do that, you know, keep going into the 80s, just seeing these things, but just was not meant to be, and it's really too bad. I feel this she is one of those stars in a way that I think, or at least this character is one of the, the star properties, whatever, that I think audiences failed in a way. Even though what I read, this was still a hit. So I don't, oh. I really don't know why yeah. they didn't continue on. Well, I think because the craze was over, as you said, which is still ridiculous. Yeah, I think that that's, that must have been just the, an, an attitude then, where they're like, well, we can't have black leads. And, you know. Maybe that's just, that's just the downside of being a studio movie. Yeah. So you go, oh, no, it's over. Yeah, that definitely is it. I wish, actually, I wish that she would have taken the character and made cheap sequels. <laughs> Although I, then you, you would have been like, no, they suck now. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point i would have been down for anything really yeah it's just too bad is they these are much better than i thought they were going to be speaking of 007 how do you think the james bond black exploitation film live and let die stacks up against the cleopatra jones films do you think live and let die is better or do you think the cleopatra jones films are better i think there are some really neat set pieces in live and let die and some mm-hmm. and a really fantastic stunt uh, ruined by a penny whistle, and then. <laughs> but that was the man with the golden gun. Oh my bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, was same, it had that same that, with that stupid cop character. Yeah, J.W. Pepper. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You live and let die. Had the, has the worst uh, Bond villain death ever. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, but Odo blowing up is great. <laughs> um. No, yeah. Live and Live and Let Die was my very first Bond movie, so it really? was a very special place in my heart. Um, I don't know if I like. It's obviously jumping on the black exploitation craze, but it, is it really a black exploitation movie if the lead is a stiff upper lip, white, white British, dude. British dudes? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Like it, it has some of the stuff from black exploitation, but I, other than the scene set in Harlem, I don't think it feels very much like a black exploitation movie. All it's, right, all right. it's very weird, although it does have Gene Seymour, and I love her. Yes. <laughs> Solitaire. Yeah. So, no, they're about equal in my book, all three of these films, so I just thought I'd throw that yeah. out there. Yeah. I think that I liked the Cleopatra Jones sequel here more than I liked Live and Let Die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casino of Gold. I know, it's not staying in my head. <laughs> What is not so, thing you're at? Sorry? The name of the movie. Oh, the, oh the yeah. Casino <laughs> go. Very like Indiana Jones type title. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Well, it doesn't have a theme song as good as Live and Let Die. That's true. Yeah. Though I did like the music. I love the, the funky, whatever it is, funky soul, just funk. Yeah, give me more of it. <laughs> Especially in the first one. I thought the soundtrack was great. Yeah. The first one is a lot more... It has more of like a, I guess you might call it black identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second one is much more of just a, an action film. Yeah, go yeah. for broke action film set in Hong Kong that feels very proto-heroic bloodshed. Yeah. Now there's one thing we haven't talked about yet. What's that? Or barely, and that's Ni Tien as Mi Long Fong. She is amazing. Well, again, um, we we've got these. Uh, I guess it's just not, no, it's not really again because she's like the opposite of like a Shelley Winters in a way, even though, I don't know, 
it's like <laughs> you're like eh, like I, I, how do you approach this with delicacy but yeah it's just like <laughs> you know queer coded um types but you you think me long ling fong is queer coded i i, I don't know you, you didn't no like okay. me ling fong is, is is her her body cup buddy i don't know it's uh maybe it's just like me looking at like the outfits and the, the no bra things and i don't know <laughs> that was normal in the 70s i guess so <laughs> well that was when and they she... were burning their bras wasn't it like the 60s 70s yeah well that the supposedly i, I remember well, hearing yeah. that that's actually never happened but yeah maybe yeah, it's she uh, get... but uh she does like the you know when they're, they're fighting the guys and unfortunately just quick cuts away from there but they're they're <laughs> literally doing the back-to-back thing <laughs> and i also like the uh the fight scene she has when she's tied she comes out of the shower. They throw like a rope or something around her, and she fights using just her legs. Yeah. Mostly because, like Cleopatra Jones says, "I'll be right over," and then she thinks, "Okay, I'm just gonna take a shower and leave the door open." And <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're not getting a, a queer coding there. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so odd. But yeah, great, great fighting. Yeah. Like next to. Cleopatra Jones, she almost looks not that cool, but she's actually also really cool. Yeah, well, they she gets they, to do shit. Yeah, well, they let her do the like the the Shaw Brothers stuff where she she jumps way in the air and you know it's it's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I the only thing I'd ever seen her in was in uh, she'd been in uh, like a like a soft core porn that Jackie Chan was also in. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that was the only thing I knew her from. So. Okay. It piques my interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you ever want to see uh, cross cutting of Jackie Chan having sex with like a blacksmith smelting or something. What? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. This will be this will be the video I make, and you'll just get mm-hmm. to see that moment. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know her from anything. Like, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, me neither. But looking at her letterbox to her, her uh, filmography, she has some known movies. Like oh. Human Lanterns, heard of that one. And there's some Crocodile. I don't I don't know this. Like, I haven't seen any of them, but they look pretty decent. Yeah, I don't I, don't I might know. check some of her stuff out. Okay. Because <laughs> I really liked her in this one. Could be just one of those things where she showed up, she was great in one movie, and more or less disappeared could be who knows yeah what haven't we covered here (laughs) well my favorite my favorite part in the first one is um when she opens her car door and gets guns out of her door yeah special gun compartment well that's where it's like (laughs) this is really james bond yeah yeah yeah. like okay this is awesome yeah i love it (laughs) that's the scene where she guns down the senior citizens yeah that's true and they do something similar in the sequel when they go to uh, the dojo and then be- the mirrors turn. Oh, yeah. Not the mirrors, but like the walls, there's all these guns and whatnot. Guns that yeah. they, I don't think they ever use, really. I think they may have used a couple of them in the finale, but... Yeah, yeah but you don't see them getting them from there. Missed opportunity is what you're saying. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you if you set it up that there's lots of guns there, you sort of got to pay it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Check anyway, small... Small gripe. Just think about the the scene with Al Popwell and uh, the other guy are getting bathed. And like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I always think like Popwell is like he he always seems like he's just freaking out in movies. He's just got this look, 
and he's telling the other guy he needs to relax. And I'm like, you are the least relaxed looking guy I've ever seen in a movie. And I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> and also, like, the bad guys aren't that bad if this is how they keep you prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> Lock me up too, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, dang it, man. My, my my hands really need cuffed right now. I don't know. Yeah. Give me a bath. You better give me a bath. Yeah. <laughs> That might be very dangerous. I don't know. You should probably lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty new to the black exploitation genre, but I think you are a bit more experienced with it. Where would you rank this in the genre? Well, so I love anything that kind of strays from what, what we usually see. And when you have them in Asia and they're in huge gunfights and things that, like, you go to like watch three the hard way which has some pretty fun action sequences, but they're not as like wild and crazy and, and condensed as this one. There's just so much going on all the time. The blowout ending is better than most things you'll see in any of the movies, any of the movies in this genre. And it's because they've got a budget here. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just they had the money and they, they spent it uh, wisely. And you don't usually see that. They're cheap and so like a coffee as I think Brandon said, kind of blows its load early. Yeah. And that's because it's like they had the money for this shot where she blows a dude's head off, you know, and, <laughs> and really little Mate, else. That, that happens in coffee? Yeah. It's the oh, opening scene, always, pretty much. I always thought of coffee as the PG-13 Foxy Brown. No. <laughs> oh. In fact, you should no. really watch it. <laughs> yeah. that's what I you think. gotta get on that one. You might be shocked. <laughs> Don't watch pretty, it with the kids. Yeah, it's pretty violent. <laughs> okay. Although, you know, this movie's violent in, like, a broader sense, where there's, like, a lot. Like, her in the motorcycle and, and, and mowing dudes down, you know, coming up the stairs and, and all that. It's, like, that is maybe, like, if you're looking at, like, uh, in terms of uh, quantity. Quantity. It's more, yeah. yeah, it's more violent. It's more violent. There's so much more like I don't even know what the body count of this movie is, but it's got to be a lot. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's it's more than what you would usually see in this genre. Mm-hmm. But the violence is pretty tame for the most part, compared to coffee, at least. Yeah. In terms of well, yeah, graphicness. It, it, yeah. So if you're looking at like yeah, as a, I guess you know, in the opposite of quantity, I guess, or the other side of that is quality. And coffee, it's like kind of gritty and mean with its violence. It's like bloody. Yeah. Mm. There, there. Did, did they get it the wrong way around? Then is Foxy Brown the PG thirteen coffee? Yeah, sort of. Or maybe uh. you're thinking of Friday Foster. I don't know. Oh, maybe that one. Yeah, hmm. I need to rewatch and watch all of those. Anyway, yeah. Well, any any Pam Grier is good. Just do it. <laughs> I, I recommend it because she kind of makes any of those movies worth watching. Although Coffee's much better than any of the rest. Okay. If you ask me. Good to know. I, I um, do think Foxy Brown is, is really good. Um, but this, I would also rank really highly. I I am actually surprised at how much I liked this one. Uh, both the, or just uh, the second one? The second one in particular. Mm. I, I liked the first one more, much more than I liked it the first time I watched it. And I really liked the second one a lot. And maybe it was because I watched them back to back. Maybe that's what I would recommend people do because I was really vibing with the first one by the end, and it was like going into the second one. I was just excited, and then they did not disappoint. Immediately, 
threw this huge accent scene at me and went, yes, this is what I came for. And they delivered it right away. And then she's teaming up with uh, cool people and they're fighting and there's kung fu fights and there's gunfights and it's just so much going on. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. I didn't even know I wanted it. Fantastic. <laughs> so would you agree with me if I said that these two movies are a perfect start for anybody looking to get into black exploitation? No. No. Oh, I, I, th- I think shit. I think you should move these down the line so that as you progress through the genre, you get to experience this because this is like a big studio version of what black exploitation films are. That's what makes them accessible and easy to get into. Yeah, I guess I I would probably start with something like so. A lot of black exploitation films, in my experience, are are like black versions of movies that already exist. Like go watch Hitman, and that is Get Carter. That's what that movie is. It's just it's the plot of Get Carter, except everybody's black. And that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Pam Grier's in that too, by the way. But um, she gets attacked oh. by a lion and they, re- I don't know how they did it. It's a real lion and it jumps on her and it's actually Poor a lion. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, um, I, I don't know. I think, they, but there's like a cheapness to them that if you start with this, I think the other movies are going to feel less. Ah, it's like if you wanted to get into John Woo and you started with Hard Boiled, you I, okay, I have yeah. yeah you would have the wrong impression of what a better tomorrow is like. like okay, it, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. So that that's where I feel about that. I don't know uh, about the rest of it, but that that's how I would describe that. I would start with something like that. Maybe maybe watch Fuzz. Uh, Tamara Dobson's in that, but uh, it's not really a black situation. But yeah, go for that. <laughs> But you don't. You think Burt Reynolds isn't a black icon? <laughs> I, I think, well, he's just an icon. Yeah. But yeah. So, I, what's um uh, like Bl- Black Samson, something like that? That the same director as as a uh, Casino Gold. So maybe that is a is a better mm-hmm. spot. But there's you know there's like I said there's just like a there's a lot of black quotation films. Yeah, I don't know um, okay. where exactly I would start, but maybe Shaft. That's where I started. I fucking yeah. loved that one. Shaft, um, Sweetback, um, I'm trying to think, Truck Turner, these kinds of movies. That, Shaft is also sort of big, but I think it starts the vibe out where you're like, okay, and then you watch the rest of these. Do the sequels to Shaft go as crazy as Casino of Gold? Kinda. Hmm. Okay, so my watch list is pretty much endless now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that the, well, so this, I haven't watched the newest Shaft sequel, but... Uh, in general, they get really weird. Like nice. th- three of those, three of the Shaft movies are just called Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really funny. They just are like, yeah, and it's you know, we'll and, just, and also call it Shaft as well. well. They did the same thing with all. The, the, yeah, the Sam Jackson, the, the two thousand version, was disguised as a remake, but then they it's a threw Richard Roundtree in there. Well, they yeah, straight up started out, and you're like, oh, his name's Shaft, he's got the same name, and then they're like, well, he's, his uncle is Shaft. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, and then, so, now, so now it's a sequel. Yeah, and then the newest one, they're like, <laughs> and then Sam Jackson's nephew is also Shaft. So it's like, <laughs> they just keep going with it. Everybody's getting the yeah. Shaft. <laughs> but the 2001 uh, is a fun preview for, you see christian bale in it and he's it's a fun preview for american psycho 
same he's year, right? Yeah, he's basically playing the same character. Yeah. Except crazy and murderer, he's crazy and racist. <laughs> as, as opposed to just crazy and a murderer. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and rich. Well, no, he's rich and bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and Brandon, where would you... How would you rank these, rate these? Well, I'm not a black exploitation expert by any means. I've not seen that many, but these are probably two of the better ones that I've seen. So maybe not the entry point, but definitely you got to watch these at some point. I mean, I prefer Bucktown or something like that, but these are good. Another one that I still have to check out. God damn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. You weren't there. That no. one is, uh, that one's, that one's good. That looks good. Another. Pam Greer as well. Yep. And. Carl Weathers, R.I.P. Yeah. He was young then. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. No, mm-hmm. is Bucktown after Rocky? Yeah. No. Before, yeah. I think. One year before. Yeah. yeah, trying to come up with a list of what I would recommend. It's hard. As but far there's as, so much. Yeah, there really is. You got you everything from, like, we're, we're going to be talking about it later, but across 110th Street. No, that might be my favorite one of the genre. You got the um, Hammer, Slaughter, Superfly, Black Gun. Uh, Black Caesar, a Hell Up in Harlem sequel. I like Black Caesar too. The Mac. I mean, you just couldn't go on and on and on. Honestly, there's a bunch of fun ones. Nice. Mm-hmm. Although my my uh, inclination is always to say anything with Pam Greer can go wrong. Yeah, but like I I would just watch a bunch of these and then at some point you could just jump into Cleopatra Jones uh, if you're. You know, I'd say you watch like four or five other ones and then watch Cleopatra Jones. But because you're like, then see what what this could look like with more money. And then you go, wow, okay. Although it doesn't have that, um, none of the, the Cleopatra Jones films have that feeling that some of the like the cheaper black exploitation films have. I mean, Truck Turner has this, or Isaac Hayes says uh, to this lady, like, make any move and your ass is ventilated. You know, he's going to like, shooter full of holes that kind of like talk nobody really talks like that in Cleopatra Jones and that's I think too bad yeah fair enough like, the dialogue in those movies is, is part of the fun mm-hmm. but that, that said um, as far as just action films go I mean these are these are excellent these are great and if you never are going to watch any other black exploitation films then these are pretty good I, I'd, I'd be like yeah go for it <laughs> No, I'm not going nice. to tell you not to watch these movies. <laughs> Good, because I already watched them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, it's time to wrap up. All right. Mm-hmm. Join the Discord. Join the Patreon. Visit the website, alloutofbubblegum.com. And we'll be back sometime next week with another Black Exploitation episode. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. See you later. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. There's a lady who started out as a model and became an actress and Cleopatra Jones, very beautiful, Miss Tamara Dotson. Charlie, you ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. All on the black, baby. It's my favorite color. Thank you, Tamara. Isn't she lovely? Thank you very much.